Hello everybody, my name is Michael Raziel and welcome to For the Love of Sports. Today I have a very fun conversation with a friend of mine, Cody Darwick. He's the partnership manager at Web Pals Group, which actually sounds adorable, but they do some pretty cool stuff in the marketing and gambling space, so that was a lot of fun to talk to. Cody actually has his own podcast, uh, which will be in the show notes, where him and his brother BS about sports and gambling and some of the stuff that's going on. So it's a really cool and interesting story how he went from being in finance, not really loving it, and then you know starting this creative outlet, as he called it, with the podcast, and that actually then parlayed him into a job in uh, sports betting, which is pretty cool. So I, I really like his story. I'm glad I had the opportunity to have him on. As you'll hear, uh, a lot of stuff was going on. It's the night movie bets tra- traded, so we just kind of riffed on that a little while. So a lot of fun, really cool dude, and hope you guys enjoy this conversation. stuff all right cool yeah i'm uh here hanging out i don't like calling them interviews i don't really like to call them interviews because i don't think of them as interviews i think of them more as just conversations so today Mm -hmm. i I just get to hang out with my good friend cody darwick for i don't know 30 40 50 an hour however long it takes whatever we got to do we get to to hang out a little bit um looks like duke just scored so this one yeah this one looks like it's gonna be out of touch so i can turn that off now but cody man thank you so much cody is uh partnership manager at web pals group is that how i say how you say it that is right yes very adorable little name there um and he is also the host of the full slate podcast uh thanks for taking some time to chat with me today man i appreciate it happy to be here and i love the uh, the adorable plug there yeah well hey web pals i mean when come on if, if someone said web pals to you is the first thing you think of a uh a, a betting <laughs> betting kind of a tilt um or do you yeah. think of kind of like those little like nintendogs and shit like that yeah, no, I feel that it's uh, it's a hurdle. I got over myself a couple of weeks ago starting a new job, but uh, yeah. So Webhouse Group, they are a subsidiary of a larger uh, gaming affiliate company and kind of just online marketing firm called Excel Media. So they are listed on the London Stock Exchange. But yeah, man, it's uh, doing the podcast on the side, coming in from the finance world. Mm-hmm. So kind of made the pivot there. Um, so yes, excited to hop yeah. on the pod and, uh, be a guest instead of the host. What's up? Yeah. Right. It's gotta be cool. I always like being a guest on other people's podcasts just cause it's fun. You get, you get like, I don't know. It's just a different perspective. I think it's, it's more enjoyable, a little different. It is very different. I mean, so I host uh, full slate with my brother, Tyler. So it, it's that one. It's not like a, you know you're you're doing the intro so in that sense you're the host but at the end of the day it's just kind of the standard sibling kind of bickering back and forth and conversation uh, around sports betting but uh yeah when we have the guests on you're kind of playing the role of kind of co-point guard because you're both kind of controlling the interview but it's there you go i mean combo guards been- yeah, exactly. Everyone's uh, favorite term. I see you wearing the Nets sweatshirt. So <laughs> now Nets, you. Nets, more depressing. If you oh, ask me. Nets. Yeah, yes. Nets. Same colors. Yeah, New York got like one thing right where three other teams have the same colors, and then the rest just make absolutely no sense. So 
you know, it's kind of whatever. But yeah, it's a, it's depressing being a Mets fan, but I'm sure it's pretty depressing being a Knicks fan too. Yeah, what do you think about uh, Steve Cohen today? So I read oh, some of that. Oh, yeah, uh, you want to talk about that? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, just, yeah. let's just fire away, man. Um, sure. The Wilpons suck. Uh, I have never in my life enjoyed any part of their ownership other than maybe like the fact that they gave David Wright some money. Um, Well-deserved. Uh, it obviously mm-hmm. didn't work out, but it was nice of them. Um, I guess signing Jacob deGrom to what now kind of looks like a team-friendly deal. Mm-hmm. I guess that uh, definitely is. Yeah, I mean now the other when yeah you look out. at Cole, you know it's ridiculous. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, man, I mean I just I can't believe two people just they just don't know what they're doing clearly. And you know I don't believe in public. You know as you're you you like betting and we'll get into it. You know you don't really watch or pay attention to the public too much, um, or actually you do because they're usually wrong. But when you see so many people just come out viscerally against the ownership group you have to think there's something wrong with them right like there's nothing else i don't know yeah it's it's brutal i mean i feel like mets fans one of their the happiest days of their lives if they weren't alive for the uh the last time they won the world series right was this steve cohen news kind of kicking will ponds out and i didn't have a chance to follow it earlier but i just when i was at the gym earlier, humble brag. Um, I, 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 I saw the uh, the New York Post article I read, and kind of seems like the Wilpons. I didn't remember this, but they did it with another yep. back uh, in 2011. Guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. David Einhorn, and it seems like they kind of had Steve Cohen come to the finish line here, and they slipped some things. Uh, they kind of reneged on some of the legal terms that seemed like they were agreed upon. I don't understand what they're doing. It seems like to me, like if you want to get out of it, get out of it. And the guys they're dealing with are are no slouches here. Exactly, right? Steve you're you're trying to like work over some fourteen billion dollar net worth guy. Like he's he's not gonna fuck around with that. That's ridiculous. Right. Like he didn't fall into family money. Steve <laughs> Cohen's very much like a self made man. Uh, he has, he's not a good person, but you yeah, know, he's he's a self made man. I'll give you that. He's got an interesting past, I'd say. Um, yes. good way but, to put uh, it. Yes, loosely the acts in billions loosely based on Steve Cohen, but uh, no, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand what they're doing there. I think you're a Mets fan. I mean, you got, you got some young talent, right? Between Alonzo, uh, Jeff McNeil, obviously DeGrom, Syndergaard always kind of hyped up. But mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. It's actually there. Um, I'm, I'm personally a San Francisco Giants fan. So I feel grateful to miss the boat on, on that front growing up in new jersey my dad is a giants fan uh, mm-hmm. back from willie may's days so i've been fortunate on that front although i'm in for a long haul here uh giants are gonna be bad for a little bit but i got i got my even year glory so i was I gonna say I you have the i can't, I, can't call, I really i can't even your bullshit that was uh that was three three nice years you had um i have a couple buddies that are big san francisco giants fans as well so i've I always uh we we talk about that. Not much that I can't really say much. I just say I hate you and that's about it. Yeah, I, I say magic, you say bullshit. It is uh, <laughs> I I the beholder, right? But I think uh yeah, I don't know. I still have some positive memories of Connor Gillespie, his only career highlight that uh wild card walk off for yeah, versus, yeah, uh, yep, versus yeah, Mets. Yep. But mm-hmm, you know, everyone 
everyone catches lightning in a bottle at some point in time. So, um, some more than others, you know? That's, yeah, man. That's it's, sports. It is. Yes. Connor Gillespie. What a name. Uh, love, love hearing that get brought up every once in a while, but, um, yeah, I mean the Mets, I went, I was actually at the world series, um, in 2015, I was at the one game that they won, which was pretty cool. Um, uh, in my opinion, they oh. should have won that world series. First team to ever, um, First team to ever blow three saves in a single series, single series before. So that's uh, that's pretty incredible. Um, again, I guess I the beholder. We can use different words: incredible, ridiculous, um, mm. unimaginable. That's another good one. But it is what it is, man. And and uh, yeah, I mean, it's how the. I don't know what the Wilpons are doing. Um, I don't. If someone says, "Hey, do you want two point six billion dollars?" and everyone will stop hating you, actually, people will start to like you again. I feel like most people would be like, yeah, this is probably a good thing to do, but no, they, they, they aren't doing it. And, uh, here we are. We get to see what happens. I, I don't know, man. I just, yeah. it's ridiculous. I don't know. Or if you offer me $2.6 billion and you're still going to hate me, I think I'll, that's I'll true sw- too. I'll Great swallow point. my pride and, <laughs> Great uh, point. and figure it out. We but, just um, never have to hear about him again, but that that's enough Mets. Uh, I don't, not today. I appreciate you bringing it up, but not, not today. This is good. Um, Thank you again for hanging out. Maybe we can just end it there and just call it a night. But uh, I have a couple yeah. questions for <laughs> you. So, uh, I think February, I think we'll keep February fourth Mets talk. <laughs> who doesn't Who doesn't love that? Hey man, spring training's in a couple days, so uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm excited. Yeah. Or pitchers and catchers. I'm sorry, pitchers and catchers. Pitchers, catchers. Yeah. Like a week, week and a half in certain cases. So pretty excited about that. But Cody, um, first question I always like to ask, other than you know how big of a Mets fan are you, is um, you know why. I, I, I usually ask it, where does your love of sports come from? And after about 20 episodes of everybody telling me, well, me and my dad really love sports together. Um, I've decided to kind of yeah. give it a different angle is, you know, why do you love sports so much? Sure. Um, it's a great question. I think it's like a couple, there's a couple facets for it. Um, for me, at least, I think growing up, um, kind of what you taught what you touched on the dad piece that's definitely an element to just kind of growing up watching um I'm, i grew up in new jersey but i have i would i'll say unique uh sports teams are for so i said san francisco giants i'm a 49ers fan and Ooh. also a lake and also a lakers fan yeah 49ers don't don't really want to talk about that just yet um, well we but, talked uh, about the mets so we'll we'll see what happens yeah, we can we can touch on it if you want to uh, just rip open an open wound even further. But uh, so I think there's an element of growing up watching the games and just kind of the nostalgia uh, piece. And I, I played sports growing up, baseball in high school, basketball um, as well, uh, just throughout kind of childhood, didn't play in high school. But I think there's like the team aspect of it, of just always kind of believing that like, what you can do as a team is is kind of greater than the individual there's the role model element to like obviously a lot of these athletes have done things that are uh, not great in their personal lives but the element that like someone can be so great at what they do and kind of perform at the highest level something I've always been intrigued in um, being a Lakers fan obviously the Kobe thing mm-hmm. hit pretty close home for me is his personal life it's not perfect um, and I think the thing that's so admirable to me specifically about Kobe, who's kind of been my favorite athlete uh, throughout the course of my life, just the whole Mamba mentality and like what that means, um, just kind of approaching everyday life. Like no matter what you do, whatever like little 
box you live in and whatever your career is, or even if your career, maybe you're unhappy with it, but whatever you want to do, like approach that and try and do it to the best of your ability. And of course there are times when you're tired or you're sick or like you're just feeling lazy, but just like trying to think, I know I try and do it sometimes of if I'm like kind of in a rut, like in a sense, it's maybe it's horny, but like what would Kobe do? Um, so I think all those different aspects and just kind of the community as well. Um, cheering. I went to Indiana University, so a huge college basketball fan in school. I was there when we beat Kentucky on the buzzer beater. When Davis was at UK, right? So like moments like that, that you like are there together with your friends um, and kind of memories that like you'll never forget. So I think there's all those kind of the nostalgia having like something to cheer for that's like outside of maybe your specific bubble so even if you work in sports but be able to follow something else and kind of give people that escape um and also just kind of the inspirational aspect of it Um, yeah i mean you you touch upon like a lot of great things um you know obviously the kobe stuff it's definitely i was never a laker fan i was never a huge kobe guy like i respect the hell out of what he's done it's incredible I, i watched like weirdly enough, like just had some of the 81 point game on. It was like on, if I don't, if I remember correctly, it was like on TV or I was, I was watching another game mm-hmm. and they would pretty much like every five minutes, just stop that game and just show you all the clips from what he was doing. And they're like, guys, like Kobe has like 60, whatever at half, like, let's see what he can do. Um, mm-hmm. Cause then there was another game that season, if I'm not mistaken, where he had 60, like four and three quarters or something. Yeah, and everyone was play. pissed out. Yeah that, yeah. that he got taken out for the fourth quarter. They're like, what are you doing, man? Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's just so many things, you know, him specifically, just the mentality, the ferociousness that he attacked life with, um, you know, if, uh, if I could attack anything I did with one tenth the um, the intensity he does, and I, I don't think of myself as a very lazy person, I just think of him in that high of regards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I could attack anything with one tenth he did, I think I would be unstoppable. Um, and we saw he was pretty much unstoppable in anything he did, whether it was basketball, um, all the things he was doing outside with his businesses, obviously with his family. So it was very unfortunate, and it's still kind of one of those things where it maybe like. A week, like a couple days ago it finally set in like oh like it's he's gone like he's not it, it felt like a movie I think Kawhi Leonard even said it like it kind of felt like a movie you kind of felt mm-hmm. like someone was going to come out and be like all right you know scene like okay let's go back to what we were doing uh, it's yeah. just uh, it's crazy how it's happened so far yeah it's definitely surreal and I think my personal experience when I found out I was uh started a new job two weeks ago and I was the company's headquarters in Israel. So I was out there and I went to a Maccabi Tel Aviv game, basically like the Israeli premier league. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're kind of the class of their league and they had a, a rivalry game. Um, so the atmosphere was wild and I'm there with one of my new coworkers and midway through second quarter, he turns to me, he's like TMZ just reported an article. Kobe passed away. Like what? And then like, I, I don't know. You kind of hope that TMZ is wrong. Yeah, exactly. Then, even in Israel, which is, I mean, where you're in New Jersey, right? New Jersey, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm in New York. So, I mean, it's a 10-hour flight away. And I kind of start sensing, like, I'm on my phone on Twitter, kind of scrolling through it in shock. But I see that everyone else, like, again, 10 hours away in a totally different country, is also on their phone doing it. Then everyone, uh, they show, like, on the big screen once it's finally kind of confirmed after Woj reports it. Um, they show kind of Kobe Bryant and Memorial. 1978 2020 a picture of him and the entire stadium starts breaking out in a kobe bryant chant which was just like so insane and like that's the kind of thing that 
I spoke about it with my brother on the podcast. I don't know how many people would actually get that reaction, whether it was an athlete or just like a celebrity death, Mm -hmm. like in general. Um, And I think a lot of that is really the point, uh, what we kind of touch on, like him being a larger than life figure Mm -hmm. um, and being almost a superhero in a sense, right? Like if, hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Like he, he retires and then next year wins an Oscar, like right? stuff that's, like that. that he, that's not real life. Exactly. It's a movie. Like that's not real life. And that, that's why it's just, it's crazy, man. Yeah. I mean, tears and he's tears his Achilles and he hits both free throws and then walks off the court. Nobody walks off the court when they have an Achilles injury, knock on wood. I've never had one, but apparently it just feels like your legs, like the tendon snaps and you just can't like, it doesn't function. But for him, it does, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's the kind of stuff that sports kind of gives you that escape and that um, ability to just kind of like immerse yourself and kind of take inspiration from different people. And the inspiration, but you also touch upon like the emotional aspect of it. You said, you know, sitting in that stadium when, um, you know, Indiana beat Kentucky, sitting in at that game where the Kobe Bryant chant breaks out. There's, I have found nothing for me personally that doesn't affect me. In, in an emotional way like sports does or will or has, you know, mm-hmm. just like feeling like I, I believe in energy. I believe in vibes, all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, again, being at that Mets game, the world series, you could feel it. I don't know what it was, but there was yeah. something there and you can a hundred percent feel it in every single cell in your body. And it is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't trade that feeling for anything in the world, especially when, you know, David Wright hits his home run and, you know, everything's going crazy. Cindergard throws first pitch at what's his face's head. Um, uh, yeah. you know, that whole, like but all of that, it was, stop, right? yeah, uh, I think so. I want to say Escobar, but I can't I, remember, but yeah, it, whatever. whatever um, it yeah, it doesn't matter, but yeah, man, it's, it's incredible. And there's just something about, uh, that feeling that you'll never get anywhere else. Um, and then you brought up something else, you know, working, you know, going back to the Kobe part, you know, working, maybe doing something you don't like and, you know, giving it your all over time to get to something you do like. So now, I mean, we've been chatting for like 20 minutes and it's been great, but I definitely want to talk about you a little bit too. And, and really understand, I mean, as you sure. said, you started in finance. Um, if I have the timeline correct, you started in finance, you were at a couple different jobs then you started the podcast and then, you know, podcast about sports betting. And now you have, uh, you're working in sports betting, which is really cool. So tell me a little bit about that timeline. And I mean, was it, did you dislike finance? Was you just way more interested in betting? Like what exactly uh, was going on um, around that time? Sure. I'll give you my little uh, two minute elevator, elevator pitch here. Uh, so like I said, I went to Indiana university. I was in the business school there, majored in finance. Um, First job out of school was an insurance company, kind of in their finance program um, with a bunch of undergrads and basically as a rotational thing. So you have a couple different uh, roles, which is good because I graduated college. I had an interest in finance. I liked numbers. I was kind of like, oh, this is practical. I think this is what I want to do. You know, and then you get to real world and you're like, yeah, okay, this seems fine. Like kind of like the paycheck, mm-hmm. the, jo- the yeah. job's good. The job's good enough. Um, and then I got a, my last job was at a fund of hedge funds. Uh, so we basically invested in other hedge funds. I worked uh, on the investor relations and then later the operations team. Uh, and I, I kind of was pretty close to it. It was a smaller firm. So I was able to see a lot of different things. And the more I was like, just honest with myself, uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, like 
it's just not for me long term. So I didn't know what I wanted next. I've obviously I've always had this passion for sports, um, and just like I've been a recreational better since college. Mm-hmm. Um, and when PASPA was repealed in 2018, so basically for anyone who's listening doesn't know what that is, Supreme Court repealed the uh, rule that basically said sports gambling is illegal in the U.S. except for Nevada. It basically allows individual states to uh, legalize it at their own uh, wish. Um, I was like, oh, that's interesting. But again, at that point, I didn't act on it. Um, but then my brother and I, we started our own podcast called Full Slate. Uh, just really as a creative outlet because we watch the stuff uh, the kind of origin of it we did our cousin our cousin has run this pick'em pool for years um, NFL pick'em so every game against the spread and like we would talk during the week and kind of chop it up whether just like general catching up at each game and it was always like fun to do um, so we're like why don't we just start podcasts and see where just click goes. record right like screw it why not we're talking about it anyway yeah exactly and like i mean when we started i was like i don't know who's who's gonna listen to this but we'll put it out there and like it'll feel good to be productive outside the day job right to just like have something that you're working towards um so i mean through that is able to kind of use the podcast one we knew that we wanted to have guests on to spice it up so that's a good way to meet people in the industry whether it was uh, some of our mutual friends like we had jack settlement on we had uh, scott san amaterio on mm-hmm. so people that worked kind of in the media sports gambling media ceos for startups in the space um and the more i got immersed in it the more i was kind of like oh this is actually really interesting because it combines a lot of things i'm interested in which is one sports two sports betting but the way it is in the U S it's such like a nascent industry, um, legally, right. Mm -hmm. Obviously it's been ingrained in the culture for years, kind of more taboo, but there's a lot of startups in the space and innovation that's coming into the space. And every state is really kind of treating it in a totally different way. So it's all across the board. And that's kind of how I fell into my current role. Um, just through the podcast networking and, uh, web pals is essential what we do is we're a uh, digital marketing company so we basically specialize in user acquisition for different sports books so the host of websites and publishing uh services that we provide and hope to basically drive users to the different sports books FanDuel, DraftKings, etc very cool yeah man I, mean, I think your story is really interesting i mean the last time we spoke was probably before uh, it was probably like November, December timeframe, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So yeah, you, a while, you, a while ago. yeah, it was, it was a minute ago, um, before, you know, I remember you telling me you were looking for new jobs. I tried to hook you up with some people, obviously. I don't think it worked out as well as I hoped, but Hey, it's the thought that counts. Right. Um, so yeah, for sure. Yeah. I appreciate and, uh, that. yeah, it's, hey, man. it's, uh, I mean, for anyone that wants to like do that pivot, it takes, it takes a lot of work to like figure out a, what you want, B how to even think about getting there and like that was a piece of starting the podcast for us we're like everyone in the world kind of wants to work in sports generally Mm -hmm. speaking right Mm -hmm. like like what does that mean what are you doing to get there besides watching uh red zone on sundays (laughs) um so we figured that could be 
it could be a useful differentiator. Um, yeah, and I'm happy. I'm happy it worked out. Yeah, man. I think, you know, A, having a podcast is a blast. I love it. It lets me have conversations like this where we can just talk about how much we hate the Mets and then don't, don't, don't forget. <laughs> I didn't, uh, you know, the Super Bowl was a couple of days ago, so I won't let you forget about it yet. But, um, yeah. you know, it's just, it's really interesting how, you know, how much you can do, as you said, you use it as a creative outlet. Um, and I, you know, it never really occurred to me that something like this, you know, talking can be a creative outlet. It's really interesting, but thankfully it can be because that's the thing that I, in my opinion, the best at is I'm able to talk to people and have conversations and just ask questions and just kind of see and understand, um, you know, be more interested than interesting. You mentioned Jack Settleman, you mentioned Scott San Amaterio. Please go back and check out their episodes. They're a little bit earlier um, on the mm-hmm. slate here. So there, there were some pretty good ones too. But um, yeah, man, I think, you know, what you guys do, I, I'm not going to sit here and live, definitely listen to a couple of the episodes, haven't listened to all of them. But I think the way you got, as you said, sibling bickering is very spot on. You and your brother just kind of BS about what's going on and how it's going on. I think it is um, pretty cool. And, and you know, with, with that, like, so you obviously always enjoyed gambling, but at what point did you decide like, hey, I don't really want to do the finance thing anymore. I actually kind of want to like see how I can, maneuver this into a job. I know you said, you know, that long-term, but like, how did you go about networking? And as you said, it was a long process. So if you don't mind telling me, you know, kind of how the sausage was made a little bit, I think people would be interested in that. Sure. Uh, a lot of, uh, being okay with, I think getting no for an answer, honestly. Um, but it was a lot of, uh, it's a process took a while for me a little over a year, probably like all in once I was like, I think I'm on sports betting. Um, a lot of LinkedIn reach out really LinkedIn is a powerful tool. Um, so that's a starting point. Like you kind of be surprised how many people will a accept, uh, a cold, just even if what LinkedIn has the various classifications, right? So if we have a mutual connection, I would try and leverage if mm-hmm. maybe that person knew them for some kind of intro. Um, or if not, I would just shoot like a brief note being like, Hey, uh, this is what I'm currently doing. This is what I think I want to do. I uh, would love to chat and kind of learn more about your experience. And I was surprised by the amount of people that were uh, open to those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, because oftentimes when you'd speak to them, they would say, yeah, like, because I would thank them and be like, I'm really, I appreciate that you took the time to kind of talk to me, 15 minutes, whatever it may be. And they're like, no, I'm, I'm always happy to do these kind of things. This is how I got in. Um, so I, I think that was a big part of it. And then just trying to figure out like what I'm currently doing in my job, like what I was doing in, in my finance job that could be applicable to this sports betting industry, whether it's kind of the ability to look at numbers and kind of analyze them and figure out, uh, drive insights um or also just kind of like you just have to kind of figure out a way to differentiate yourself right so the Mm -hmm. podcast was an excuse and a conversation starter but then at the end of the day you just kind of have to um you have to be able to wow i just saw mookie bet yeah mookie bets i was good yeah i was i was gonna let you finish your thought because i was really enjoying it but yeah traded to the dodgers so i'm really curious what that one's gonna look like so i was gonna say as a giants fan that's i mean you guys are gonna be bad but damn that's that's gonna be crazy what are the what are the the red sox doing i don't understand it's not like they're the small market team in tampa that like nope can't give uh this guy 400 million dollar contract and david price and david price which pretty much means it was contract it was money they just didn't feel like paying anybody 
Oh my god. Kind of ridiculous. Those are Red Sox fan. Jesus, that's brutal. I have a couple I have a couple of friends that are getting text messages when we're done, but until then. Oh. Uh, I'll know, keep hanging out with you. Are you a, are you a Bill Simmons fan? He's going to be insufferable. Uh, I like it when things like this happen to Bill Simmons. Yeah, when like I'll like, listen to Bill Simmons after the Patriots lose or after yeah, you know yeah. the Yankees are. I hate the Yankees. I hate the Red Sox almost as much though. So, um, really. you know, it's just it's I hate them until the Yankees are out, or I like them until the Yankees are out. Then I hate the Red Sox too, just because they're the same thing. Like. Whoever is the asshole that thinks that they're this different now, it's like, no, it's not 2004 anymore, guys. Like, they both spend like maniacs. Like, who cares? It doesn't matter. Yeah, to me, I have such fond memories of them coming back in 04. Oh, uh, God, yeah. Nothing I love it. it. Fever pitch. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, great, okay great, yeah. Great movie. Great, <laughs> great movie. rom-com. There you go. Jimmy great Fallon's rom-com. been in so many movies since, you know, so he, yeah, it really exactly. it took off his acting career. Yeah, but, people uh, don't talk about that being a launching <laughs> point for him. Maybe the peak of uh, Cameron Diaz's career. But, no, I, I, uh, that sucks that he's going to the Dodgers. Well, I mean, I saw the rumors, the pod um but yeah i mean in terms of back to your original question about how and like the process just a lot of like setting like there's the initial linkedin process Mm -hmm. selling yourself and thinking about what you do in your current job even if it's not like oh i worked for a dfs company because honestly quite frankly if you do want to get into this industry in the u.s your competition, most people don't have more than two years of experience at this mm-hmm. point. Um, so just figure out what you're doing in your current job that uh, would be valuable to them, what you bring to the table, and just kind of being forward about that and yeah. uh, just opening up each conversation in terms of wanting to talk to people um, and learn about their experience. And people want to talk about themselves. So, uh, you, you, like, the hit rate's pretty good. You're doing a great job of talking about yourself, man. So don't don't stop anytime soon. But no, um, on, on a serious note, I mean, no, sincerely do appreciate it. That's always one thing. I mean, with this, um, uh, with this show, what I, I do want people to understand, and, and you kind of alluded to it too, you want to work in sports, but what the hell does that mean? You know, it's an entire industry. You can do a lot of things. You can do marketing. You can do finance. You can do sales. You can be an athlete. You can be a coach. You can be, you know, operations. There's so many different things and understanding that, you know, there's not just, you know, work at ESPN, um, be on camera. Or, you know, be an athlete. There's a lot of other things that happen behind the scenes where people can make a very good living and do something and work for somewhere that they truly do love. So, uh, you know, you, you bring up that point and it's good for people to understand that, yes, I get LinkedIn messages all the time and I've, I send LinkedIn messages all the time. And, and nine times out of 10, most people are nice. They're, they're willing to help. They want to help because they understand like this is an industry where it's very much who you know. Um, obviously you have to execute, but there's so many people that can execute. You need to know people to get to those points. Right. So clearly, uh, you did the right thing. I hopefully did the right thing. I mean, I'm still here, so I'm doing something right. Um, and you make a good point too, especially with gambling and betting. You know, there's only so many people that can have experience <laughs> legally, I guess, uh, in the, in the, in the country. So I, I am kind of curious, especially with that, you know, that being my lead in working for a London based firm or at least headquarters or, um, Israel, you said, I know you said mm-hmm. they have, uh, you know, some, a place over in London as well with that being so ingrained into like soccer culture and culture over in Europe where like they have kiosks in the stadium where you can bet at. And now here it's still like only available in like 20 States. What is it like kind of working with that team over there or, or just for that company where it's, it's been second nature for so long. And now here it's kind of like this new cool, fun thing we have in America. Sure. It's, 
an interesting dynamic and I'm on, I think my third week. So I'll speak to it as much okay. as I can. Yeah. As I'll much have you on I, again. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll have speak, you on again. I'll speak to it as much as I can. Um, but so the company, the team that I work with, that's kind of focused on building out the U S uh, content platforms and websites, um, in Israel, and after being there for a week and a half, to actually follow U.S. sports is very challenging just with the time difference, seven hours. Um, so in Israel, sports betting is not legal. But in London, like you said, it's second nature in the culture. Um, and in the U.S., it is something that's such an interesting dynamic, right? Because Vegas has been around forever and kind of that like – nuance around going to a key going to the sports book getting the ticket watching the football game cashing it i've been one since i'm 21 and it's i mean it's really cool like it's a cool experience um but ultimately like we live um and you have a podcast you get it we live in a digital world and a mobile world so uh like new jersey pennsylvania indiana these different states that have the mobile it's like a very uh, it's such a totally different user experience and it's kind of coming out from behind the shadows, right? Where New Jersey had Atlantic city. Um, but now that they're getting all these different sports books fired up and like I said, each state really is approaching its own way. Am I answering your original question? I forget. It doesn't exactly. matter. You're, you're doing a great job talking and I like listening to you. So you keep going, man. Okay. Thank you. I forget your original question, but honestly I, think, I do too. So it's cool. Okay. Nice. Um, but no, I think it is something where, um, there's kind We're, of that, there's the education process for everyone. So you have some people that have more experience in like the gaming industry. If they worked for like say hard rock casino in Las Vegas or Mohegan sun in Connecticut, whatever it may be. But, um, people are trying to learn from what happened in the European markets, but also it's like trying to figure out a localized approach to capture this new user to the gaming market. And FanDuel and DraftKings out of the gate, the first year and a half have done the best job at it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And now we have the the whole Barstool thing too with Penn Penn National, Penn Gaming, which is going to be crazy Mm -hmm. because their fans are just... They love, yeah, rapid. Thank you. I was going to say ravenous. Same thing though. Uh, It's, Mm -hmm. it's insane what they're capable of doing. And I saw that they're starting, you know, Penn, Penn National, Penn Gaming, whatever the hell the name of the company is. They're starting. National Gaming. So Penn National Gaming. Look at that. Awesome. Killing it, man. Um, But you know, they're, they're taking, they're pretty much just taking that Barcel name and now they're just going to have a sports book. Like it's Mm -hmm. such a brilliant move on, you know, Eric Nardini and Dave Portnoy and, and, you know, whoever the guys are, guys and girls on the other side of the table. Mm -hmm. I think it's brilliant because Barstool, like, yeah, they have 66 million people that pay attention to their stuff a month, but I'm confident many more people know what or who Barstool is to the point where Mm -hmm. if they see something like, oh, a Barstool sports book, there's just that, you know, William Hill, not that many people, in my opinion, in the United States know who William Hill is. Like they're becoming, obviously we see their commercials all the time now, but I don't know. Yeah. You tell me you're a little bit in the, you're, you're three weeks longer in the industry than I am, but I didn't hear anything. I've watched a lot of sports in my life. I've done a little bit of side gambling, never heard of William Hill until, you know, a couple, you know, a year and change ago when it finally became legal in, in New Jersey. And then I started hearing the name pop up, but mm-hmm. Boston has been, you know, been around since what, 2015 and really getting into the lexicon like 2016, 2017, where it's everywhere. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if more people start gambling because of that. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'll, I'll hit on a couple of the things you said. I think William Hill, they're like they're massive. In oh my the god, UK yeah, and London. Um, but yeah, until I started kind of my networking process, it was unfamiliar to me. But they're doing well in New Jersey. They're growing at a pretty good clip. But the barstool thing is so interesting because the rumors came out a few months ago, and uh, I think I mean I've I've followed their stuff pretty closely since I graduated college yeah, five, six years ago uh, at this point. But uh, they, they do such an interesting job of capturing the key demographic right now of what a majority of uh, the U.S. sports betting population is, which is currently it's like a 22 to 35, 40 uh, male uh, living a lot of them live in like an urban setting and that's a lot of what Barstool has that 66 million that you mentioned um, and their ability to be all over social media. Um, the thing that I'm very curious about, I like flipped through the presentation deck mm-hmm. that Penn National put out. Barstool has launched this Barstool Bets for a few months now and they've been pushing it a bit. I've noticed that on social media mm-hmm. and they kind of talk about the, it's a free to play contest app. So it's not actually a sports book, but you can sign up, you, whatever you do well, you win a hundred bucks, thousand bucks, but they've only had, like, I think they have, uh, it was like 39 or 49 million people across like Instagram and Twitter. Don't quote me on it. Maybe 15 million. Uh, but on Barstool bets, they've only converted like about a hundred thousand users at this mm-hmm. point. I think a lot of that is because maybe it's just like free to play and a lot of their base is probably betting somewhere else. Um, and they kind of put those stats in there that I think I forget upwards of 50%. I think of their base bets mm-hmm. about weekly. Um, so I agree. I think it's going to be fascinating. Uh, it like anytime Prez Dave Pointnoy has to be a little bit more buttoned up. It's amusing to me. Someone mm-hmm. follows it and yeah. he's uh he's all over the place. So they're gonna have to be a little more controlled, I think, than they have been. But I think it's a great play because until again, until I like really started doing my research on the industry, I wasn't super familiar with Penn National gaming. And they were smart enough to kind of realize like who are the key players right now that are killing it? FanDuel, DraftKings, why is that? Because they've had this user base of, there's 43 states in the U.S. where DFS is legal. What do they do? Okay, now sportsbooks available in your state, push notification, boom. I think Barstool is going to be able to tap into similar kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they, <clears throat> they've been able to mobilize the, their customers, right? Whether yeah. it's one bite in this pizza app that started as a gimmick like a lot of their stuff does but then it becomes a real thing yep yeah and they, and they drive business and traffic um so it's gonna be fascinating and like for instance betmgm did a deal with yahoo sports so if you're in new jersey and you're on the yahoo sports app you see the lines for the game that you're looking at and if you click in that then you're in betmgm's app so like i said one of the things that's interesting to me outside of just like having it be fun to be a recreational better. There's like a lot of innovative marketing techniques that people are trying to use to try and capture uh, these users. 
Yeah. And it, it is really interesting kind of just seeing it because you have to align essentially, you know, as you said, Yahoo Sports is, is now aligning with BetMGM. So you're starting to see the media companies get tied up with these and start laying in bed with the betting companies, you know, the ones yeah. that actually control the money and, and the, the sports books essentially, and, and kind of seeing how they're going to play off of each other and what they're going to do. Um, I hate Yahoo Sports. I don't know why. I just, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, just, just all of it. Like I hate their, their fantasy is God awful. I've done baseball and football on it and I hate really? it. I what can't you, stand it. What do you like doing through them? That's so interesting. So ESPN. ESPN. Is, I, is I, maybe it's cause better? I just started there, I think. And okay. it, they just, right. there's just like, obviously there's the familiarity, um, mm-hmm. but there's just something about it. I just, it feels like Yahoo's still like four or five years behind in their user so interface in the way they lay everything out and how it's laid out. It's so stupid in my opinion, but that's probably me. I know a lot of people that like Yahoo more than ESPN. So it's probably a me thing, but it is very interesting. Yeah, I I guess it's the opposite for me. I think I've done like one or two fantasy leagues in the course of my life on ESPN. Everything else has been Yahoo. So that's just kind of what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Um, I like their mobile app a little better than ESPN. I think slightly less buggy, but do you, so you are, do you live in New Jersey? You do, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you bet through some of these different apps? Um, I do it very, very occasionally on um, FanDuel. No, DraftKings. I do more okay. on DraftKings. But again, it's the same thing. Like, um, and, and this is another point. You know, So I do occasionally throw down bets, and I always lose. So I stop betting as much as I can because I'm terrible mm-hmm. at it. I just yeah. – my brother fades me. He just asks me, oh, what are you, what are you putting money down on? Um, and then, yeah, he just fades me, and he wins money. So it's kind of funny. But um, You could just fade your own brain. I've tried, moment. man. It's, I've tried. Yeah. I don't know if you watch Seinfeld at all, but it just doesn't, doesn't quite work like that. But um, <laughs> it's uh, – the one thing that does scare me just a little bit uh, with, with – especially it, it being so easy to bet um, on some of these things. You know, I was, I was out at, at a – party it was a friend's birthday or whatever and there's some people that we don't see on, on a regular basis there and the one guy it was during the ohio state wisconsin the uh big 10 national championship game and ohio state is down 21 nothing or something or it was like 21 7 it was something oh, yeah. weird yeah, yeah right losing, really. yeah they were losing and it was weird and uh <laughs> we were just bsing on the couch and the kid pulls out his, the guy, the kid, he's 29, 30. He pulls out his phone and he's like, I- I'm going to definitely take a live bet on this game. So first off, live betting is terrifying. <laughs> That's just right there. Uh, they're trying to help you lose money, in my opinion. It's, it's never as easy as it sounds. It never is. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, again, I'm, I'm a loser. So, But he, he pulls it out and he, he takes the live bet and he had no idea what he was betting on he only knew how much money he was betting. He didn't really understand. I was like, oh, like, what's the live line? He's like, uh, I don't really know. And I was like, okay, well, okay, are you going to take the money line? He's like, I don't know what that is. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going to put $20 on Ohio State to win and hope Ohio State wins. And I was like, that's kind of terrifying. Now, maybe this is a one-off, mm-hmm. but I feel like because it's so accessible at this point, there's a lot more people like him than not like him. Because it's so much easier to bet now that you can, he was just playing DFS anyway. So he now can start betting on games and he does, and he doesn't really know how he's doing it or exactly what he's doing. He's just kind of knowing he's putting $20 down and he might win money. Like, I I don't know how you feel about that. Obviously you've been in the the industry a little bit longer. Um, 
not the industry, but like you've been betting a little bit longer. So I don't know yeah. if you've seen too much of that or anything or, or how you feel about, you know, that, that aspect of it too. Yeah, I think there's definitely a uh, bit of an education process that has to happen as this becomes more and more mainstream. You see it on a lot of the media platforms, like for instance, uh, Action Network on their on their homepage, they have a bunch of educational videos kind of going through like what is a spread bet, what's a money line, what's over under, what's parlay, all these different things because um, I agree. I think that's that's potential risk. You have people that are kind of aimlessly betting uh, that don't know what they're, what they're doing uh, just because maybe they think it's cool or they want to fit in. But um, hopefully these different media platforms kind of continue to push these educational resources. Um, I, I haven't been on their websites as much recently, but I believe like FanDuel DraftKings on their sites, like they, they do have, typically they will provide some kind of resource or guide. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's a little bit up to the user in a sense to like go through the onus of if, if you don't. Yeah, of uh, course. Yeah. Right. If you don't know what you're doing. Um, Okay, man, if you're willing to throw $20 down, you should probably know what you're throwing it on, right? Like that's, it's very much up to the user. But I also think it's so easy and drunk people love to do things so much that really anything's possible. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It definitely is. I think the gaming companies also kind of have the responsibility, right? Of like these different uh, responsible gaming laws where obviously at the end of the day, they make a bulk of their money when when a better loses right mm-hmm. but they do have the onus of uh monitoring different people's activities and if it seems like a little bit like they're constantly chasing uh it's more or less kind of shut them down in a sense um so i i think it it is something that is going to be a test of a lot of people's will right because what I, at the end of the day these companies are pushing different kinds of promotions um on users I think that there will be, there's inevitably some downside to this, right? Where you have some people that maybe would not be exposed to gambling and there's a chance they could become addicted, right? That's worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. uh, For this widespread. But I think there's a lot more positives out of legal gambling and especially mobile legal mobile gambling because uh, uh, I don't know the exact percentage of people that are betting offshore now that are on these apps, but I think you still have, and just from being a better myself, knowing people that live in New Jersey, you still have a lot of people that aren't even necessarily betting on the apps if they have them accessible because they're just kind of used to what they know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the instead of having a user kind of going into that kind of offshore, a little bit more shady of a market, you're able to legalize it. You have the people that are tracked. You can see like everything, your bet history, your deposit history. Um, and the activity is happening somewhere, right? So exactly, might, yeah. So you might as well allow the government to tax it, take a piece of the revenue, put it towards educational efforts, or they're kind of all earmarking it for different things. But that's that's my spin zone for you there i I like that i like that um oh honey they're they're drinking anyway why don't we just let them drink here right at least we can keep our eyes on them and you know it's it's a legitimate argument it's a legitimate argument um the thing that's amazing to me is i saw i saw this article 
today so far in like legal reported handle which is like the total amount bet so say you put in five hundred dollar bets over the course of a month that's five hundred dollars total handle the legal reported handle for the super bowl was i believe like 240 million to date um for this past week's game so that's legal but there's an article that came out earlier in the week the projected amount of money bet on the game was 6.8 billion dollars mm-hmm. so so like that's that that comes it's back insane. to the point right where like let's just like clip it and put it towards new schools or infrastructure or healthcare whatever it may be like the it's happening so let's like not just turn a blind eye to it 100% um i and no i i read something uh, i think with with total handle, I think in the the industry is like 150 billion or whatever. It's it's an insane number. Um, yeah. But the legal, I think, has maybe made it to about four billion, if I'm not mistaken. So like, yeah, it's, it's so short. I can't remember the exact numbers, but it is so short. And yeah, there's so much more. And you know, as you said, you know, people even here in New Jersey, I know people that still run books. Right. Like I know, I know people that still run books because it wasn't legal and they just have, you know, the people are just used to what they're used to. So they just keep doing what they're doing and everybody's happy and no one's angry about it. But you're, you're completely right. One thing I will say about that Super Bowl number with, um, you know, the box pools, that would right. be the only, that's the only thing where, you know, like I know my parents are in a couple where it's, you know, it's a hundred dollars a box. Like, we're not messing around. Gam- and that's exactly. Gambling, yeah. Right. That's right? Yeah. Same so, thing I mean, March Madness. Like, even your office pool yeah yeah that's gambling yep 100 percent. and you know at, at least making it somewhat legal uh you know helps a little bit as you said and and i really do like the point that you make is it you know you're, you're going to mybookie.ag well i don't i've never been on that one that's just one i've heard of but there's some yeah. of these offshore ones maybe they aren't really tracking you know your deposit history maybe they aren't really tracking everything to the utmost standard where now with these legal ones you know the DraftKings, the FanDuel's, william hills you have everything very clearly laid out, um, which just gives you, I guess, a little bit of um, uh, solace, I guess, is that's what I'm looking for, a little bit of a uh, credibility. You're kind of happier. You know someone's at least paying attention to it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's like an itemized receipt, right? Yeah, exactly. Nice. Lay it all out there. Exactly. What are my pluses? What are my minuses? How much am I down? Um, so a couple more things, definitely. I mean, again, I understand you've only been at your job for a few weeks, but I, I'm kind of curious, like as a partnership manager, what exactly does that mean? I know you said the company's goal is to help sports books acquire new users. Mm-hmm. Um, does that mean you are like relationship manager to these sports books? Are you looking for new and in creative ways to find users? How exactly are you, you know, especially again, understanding it's only been three weeks. I'm sure I'll have a lot more questions in a year, but sure, um, you sure. know, what, what exactly, what do, what do you see the job looking like uh, when you kind of get into your, your, your swing of things? Sure. So that you kind of hit on it. Um, so it, there's an element uh, of relationship management, managing the relationships with all the different uh, U.S. sports books that we have partnerships with. Um, so the company is kind of their key focus right now is in the U.K., uh, in European betting markets, a little bit in Asia, Latin America, but obviously the U.S. creates a big opportunity. So my boss and I are the two uh, U.S. employees focused on sports betting. So manage those relationships, figuring out creative ways that we can drive users using leveraging either A, uh, our in-house publishing 
or kind of trying to evaluate other third-party partnerships, kind of seeing what uh, sports-related websites or news websites are out there where maybe we can add basically that digital marketing layer of whether it's the ad or a creative way to monetize potential user. Um, and, and also there's the element of uh, we have a team dedicated to running our U.S. sites. Um, some of the team members um, are Israeli and, like, quite frankly, don't uh, aren't as close to U.S. sports. Uh, the guy that runs the site is is from the U.S. He's a big sports fan, but also helping him with kind of some of the content strategy. And as we build out different uh, the social media platforms, uh, potentially podcasts online, YouTube channel, things like that, like it's all very nascent. Um, so uh, wearing a, a number of different hats, whether it's relationship management, a little bit of sales, um, and trying to evaluate different creative ways that we can build this thing out. It's more fun wearing a couple of different hats, right? You get to dip your feet into a couple of different, uh, couple of different pools. Probably more difficult, but at the same yeah. time, you get yeah. to do more things. That's always more enjoyable. Yeah, it was it was something I was looking for uh, when I was looking for a change. Just um, having something that's a little more agile, entrepreneurial, um, which I'm sure you uh, can appreciate given given what you're up to. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, I always love to see that, um, and I think it's great. I think what you're doing is cool. I, I really like your story and the fact that you, hey, you clearly have also been able to draw upon a lot of the things you did in finance. I mean, obviously you said relationship manager already. You've been on the operations team with some of these places. You know the numbers, you understand those things. You're able to kind of take them and obviously take pieces of each of those and turn that into you know the current job you're in and be able to kind of draw upon your past experiences get better at them and, you know, kind of find a way to, to, uh, take that ball of yarn and, and, uh, push it down the hill, I guess, for lack of a better term. But then I think your story is cool going from finance to starting a podcast to then what, 18, 15, 18 months later, getting a job in the industry that you started the podcast. in. I think it is super cool. And, um, you're Cody, you're an inspiration to so many. And I want you to know that, man. Thanks, Michael. That, 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 that's probably way too much credit, but I appreciate it. Now, well, well, when more people hear this story, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully they will believe that, and it's great. And um, yeah, man. I mean, that, that's all I got. You know, uh, I was going to ask about the 49ers, but we all know Kyle Shanahan should have ran the ball on second and five, and I don't really need to tell you that. So, um, cool, man. Really, uh, really yeah. appreciate your time today, Cody. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, but yeah, my brother and I, we had our therapy session yesterday on, yeah. on our podcast. Uh, we normally do during the football season, the Sunday night, Sunday Scaries podcast. Uh, we did a Monday edition because we were uh, just broken Sunday after the game. And I thought it would help talking about it but mm -hmm. it didn't but yeah it's it's gonna sting it's yeah. gonna sting for a bit there yeah it, i mean hey it is what it is so i guess moving forward um do you how much do, uh, obviously you guys have been through over a year now so you kind of know a little bit about um you know at least what you've done and how you're going to do it so moving forward is it going to be a lot of basketball betting do you guys pay attention to baseball i mean you have to pay attention to baseball in the summer but are you guys going to pay attention to xfl at all like what are you, what are you guys yeah. looking forward to over the next uh, next year I am intrigued in XFL. I actually think this one might stick around more than the AF did. But yeah, we do. We'll do college basketball. We'll do NBA, um, MLB for sure. We're all those things. And uh, we, we definitely, during football seasons, so we're on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We were able to leverage that and bring on some of their guys that are more like beat reporters and specialized mm -hmm. to a team. Um, I think we're going to try and continue doing that, just getting on interesting guests, whether they're CEO 
of a up and coming kind of a sports gambling company or more like niche to a specific team or sport. Um, so yeah, we will uh, find creative ways to get through a year of uh, content, but it's easy. This time of year is easy. The summer is when it, you yeah. have to get uh, really creative. Yeah. July and August. I mean, once NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs are over, um, it's just baseball, which I'm okay with, but I can see how people Same. that like all sports, um, it could get pretty boring, especially if, you know, you're a Mets fan or a Giants fan this year, your team's probably not going to be that great. Um, no. so we're kind of just, you know, by <laughs> August be like, all right, well that was, that was fun. Can't wait for football again. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is, but sincerely, Cody, this was absolutely fantastic. Um, I'll make sure send me all the links for the podcast so I can make sure a couple extra people uh, maybe check out yours and, and hear what you and your brother got going on. I appreciate it, man. Awesome. Thank you, Michael. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode and all the episodes of For the Love of Sports. On a personal note, I want to show some extra gratitude to everybody out there. This is my favorite thing that I get to do. So by you listening, um, it truly gives me an extra reason to do it. Uh, I was going to do it anyway, but thanks for thanks for sticking in this long. Uh, if there's anything I can do better, please let me know. I'm always looking to get better. I, I'm trying to get more reps. The more reps, the better I get. More practice, the uh close to the opportunity as to getting paid to do something like this so i would sincerely appreciate that if you all could please rate review subscribe and share um specifically on itunes five star reviews are pretty great they help with the algorithm a lot so anyone out there on apple it would take you about four seconds um so if you can give me a couple extra seconds of your time i would really appreciate it make sure to follow me um on the socials um i think it's michael Raziel or michael period Raziel everywhere check it out um shoot me an email if you have any questions michael period Raziel one at gmail so i really threw for a loop there but other than that sincerely appreciate it thank you guys so much and i hope you make it a wonderful day yes!